Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Frank Morgan was a prodigal alto sax player who, like many of his fellow musicians of the era, saw his career plagued by drug addiction. What set Frank apart is not just his exceptional, beautiful, classic alto playing, but his amazing, the amazing fact that he survived 30 years of a revolving door of incarceration and drug abuse and went on to a much-heralded comeback career in the last 22 years of his life. His story is one of brilliant promise in his youth, a journey through the depths of hell, and the redemption through his art. The film is Sound of Redemption, the Frank Morgan story, a film by N.C. Hyken. Welcome to Film School. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for being here. N.C., tell us a little bit about how you came to the story of Frank Morgan. Well, Michael Connolly is an old friend of mine and my husband's who publishes him in France. And um, he uh, came to me and says, you know, there's this great sax player. I love his music. I think he's got a really unique story. Would you be interested? And uh, I, so I listened to his music. I didn't know him um, and was totally smitten by the music. I mean, it's just so moving. Uh, and um, then I started looking into what his life was all about, and it was not a pretty picture. Uh, and I thought, gee, well, how am I going to do this? Um, and I, he has this experience exceptional historical moment uh, where during his time in San Quentin, he was among so many jazz players who were, you know, fellow junkies that uh, they had enough talent to form a big band. And I thought, wow, that really blew my mind, (laughs) this big band at San Quentin, that that people from all over the Bay Area were coming to hear. And uh, so they, you know, they citizens would buy tickets to go inside San Quentin to hear this professional-level, fantastic jazz band. That's, ama- that's an amazing aspect of the story. In it itself. is totally yeah, unique. And uh, so I wanted to somehow bring that to life, and I hit on this idea of bringing a band into San Quentin, doing a live concert now for the inmates of now, and have that echo Frank's life and kind of, um, in a way, resurrect him. And also, uh, staying on our theme of redemption, providing a, a moment of redemption for the, 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 the souls inside San Quentin today. And it was, a, it was a great thing. It was a moving, moving experience for everyone, the musicians, the prisoners. And it wound up forming the backbone of the film. Mm-hmm. It is. It's a beautiful part of the film. Uh, um, t- well, tell us, in terms of uh, his Frank Morgan's place in the history of jazz, a little bit about his coming up. Uh, he started as a very young player and was recognized for his talent very early on in his life. Tell us a little bit about that part of his story. He, uh, his dad was a uh, pretty famous musician in his own right. He played with the Ink Spots, which were a, they were like, the Beach Boys of their day. They were huge. And um, so he was uh, swimming in a fast crowd already, his dad, Stanley Morgan. He had opened a nightclub on Los Angeles' famous Central Avenue, which uh, was the heart of the jazz scene. It was the happening African-American cultural mecca. 
on the West Coast. And um, he brought Frank. He knew he had a very talented son. He brought him down to L.A. He had been living in the Midwest mm-hmm. with his grandma. And uh, Frank started playing with the big guys right away. He's 14, and he's, you know, he's sitting in with Wardell Gray and, and uh, all sorts of people. And um, so he, uh, everybody around town was saying, wow, who's this kid? And he got introduced to Duke Ellington, who wanted to take him on the road when he was 15. His dad said, "No way." <laughs> and uh, I heard some stories about what went on on the road, and uh, it's a good thing his dad didn't let him go. And he also, his dad knew Charlie Parker, and Charlie Parker took Frank on as his protege. He used to call him Little Frankie, mm-hmm. and he'd invite him around whenever he was playing, and Frank would would jam with him, and um, he sent guys to help him pick out his first saxophone when he was seven years old, and so this relationship went on right up till Bird's death, but it, it was as if he was anointed. He was the anointed to succeed Bird, um, which turned out to be kind of a heavy burden for Frank uh, in the end, but uh, that was the promise of his future, and all that was going on in Los Angeles. Yeah, that is quite, uh, obviously, uh, Charlie Parker being one of the giants in, in, in of all jazz, uh, that, that would be something um, of a, a curse and a blessing, I guess. And, uh, that's, yeah. and, so, um, and so he, and by the way, uh, you, you referred to the ink spots. It was, I didn't know this until I saw the film, and that is, it was referred to as Stanley Morgan's ink spots, on at least on some of the LPs. Stanley which, Morgan's ink spots, because he... Um, yeah. He was he joined the Ink Spots and then eventually he took over the Ink Spots and he was like the leader and I think there were eventually there were several versions of the Ink Spots that used the name so mm-hmm. he distinguished his own as Stanley Morgan's Ink Spots and I believe he played Las Vegas for a long time in that formula mm-hmm. um, he was you know a really financially successful musician African American musician which was not always the case. Now, uh, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with N.C. Hyken, the, the director of the film Sound of Redemption, the Frank Morgan story. So here, here is young Frank Morgan uh, as he's beginning to uh, find his way in, in, in the jazz world uh, and spending time with Charlie Parker. <laughs> Where did things start to kind of unravel for him? At what point in, 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 in his life did things begin to take a bad turn i think he he says he's the first time he took heroin was he was 17 mm-hmm. and he thought that was going to get him in the club uh and again you have to remember he's playing with guys who were 30 years old he's 17 yes and a, quite a lot of them were using and of course his number one idol charlie parker was using yeah. um and he tells a story of how he Scored and he brought some of that with him to go see Bird in his hotel room, and he thought Bird would be so pleased. And Bird almost, you know, kicked him and said, "What's the matter with you? How could you be so stupid? I thought you'd know better than that." Uh, but then Bird said, "Hey, you know, let's get high." <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was not a great message for Frank. Um, <clears throat> and he he was doing really well as a musician. He was uh, playing all the time, uh, but. The habit was growing, too, and it was expensive stuff, and he started committing petty crimes to support the habit because making music was not paying enough to support his habit. Um, and that just developed and developed, and I think he 
he put out his very his first solo album. He was about 22, which was a huge coup to be to have a solo album. Frank Morgan. Yeah. Um, and a couple months after that was the first time he got arrested. Right. Well, and that just snowballed into one thing after another. Right. Well, ironically, the same year that Charlie Parker died from his drug abuse is when it sounds like when Frank started to. Uh, Become uh, started getting involved more and more involved in sort of criminal activity. Mm-hmm. What a, what a shame! I mean, just you you know in in the film um, the Sound of Redemption, the, the Frank Morgan story, you you hear uh, his yeah, just absolutely beautiful uh, sound, beautiful tone that he had in his playing. In fact, there's a clip uh, of the the Billie Holiday clip that you had. Um, um, uh, that was Lester Young as well in that clip. Do you you know what I'm? Yeah, I it probably was. Yeah, uh, it's just I mean I know she she was a big fan of his. She became very very much. My God, these people the 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 most prominent uh, people in 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 that in the music is are, are the people who are telling you how great you are. That had to be again sort of that curse and blessing. It. it and he had the talent, but uh, boy, at such a young age, it's just so hard to process all of that. Um, obviously, so he started to get more and more involved with um, some criminal activity, some of the, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say almost comical sort of exploits, but at the end of the day, it's not funny when you end up in, in prison because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and how long was he, uh, his first uh, initial uh, stint in prison? How long did that last? Um, I- Probably a couple months was okay. the very first one. I mean, first he gets arrested and his dad gets him out, and he's just sort of remandered into the uh, uh, his father's uh, protection, and that went you know on for a, a few times. Uh-huh. Um, but he, when he lands in San Quentin, I believe he got uh, two years, and he he didn't usually serve the whole sentence because he'd get paroled because he's a sweetie, you know, he's a nice guy. Yeah. Totally polite, very intelligent, and plays like a dream, and talks a good game also, as many, many addicts do. And uh, he'd get paroled, but he just couldn't live on the outside either, because um, he'd just fall back into, uh, he needs a drug. Yeah. Um, I want to also remind our listeners that uh, the film, uh, The Sound of Redemption, The Frank Morgan Story, is playing at the Los Angeles Film Festival, in fact, there is a concert uh, tonight. If you happen to be logging on to filmschoolradio.com today, you'll be able to uh, hear this interview as well as uh, a chance to go see the film at the Regal Cinema 9. It's also screening on Monday. That would be June 16th at the Regal Cinema 10. And there's a tribute, a Frank Morgan concert um, on, on tomorrow, Sunday, June 15th at 2 p.m. at the Grammy Museum. So it's quite a quite, and also one other thing, a festival conversation, uh, uh, love letters to Los Angeles, and this is with Mike Connolly uh, on Monday uh, at the Regal Cinema Eleven. Um, what a, that's a action packed weekend for you. <laughs> we are we're we're all over this festival, but it's great because there's so many aspects to the film, and the there's the music, there's the fact that Mike is you know, has been writing about L.A. for uh, all his career and, and of course, our film, which was the uh, 
is the juggernaut of yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, no, this is terrific. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for you. And again, I, in the film itself, as you said, sort of the backbone of it is this concert that was uh, put together uh, to for to perform uh, at San Quentin. I mean, Ron Carter, Gary Giddens, uh, uh, Ed Reed, Grace Kelly. What a remarkable young talent she is. I want to make sure I'm saying this right. Delphio Marcellus, is that, am I? Delphio, Delphio Marcellus, one of the famed Marcellus brothers. Yeah. Uh, George Cable's on piano and musical director. Uh, we had Marvin Smitty Smith on drums yes. at San Quentin. Yes. Mark Gross on alto sax. It's a beautiful sound, beautiful um, uh, part of the film. And uh, now, now um, let's talk about the, the part of the redemption part of the, of, of the story. Uh, after all of his travails, many of his travails, uh, Frank was able to see uh, himself clear to get a, a, a nice coda, if you will, to his life And, and at the end. Um, tell me a little bit about how that came about. He, uh, you know, he had some grace come into his life by meeting uh, Rosalinda Kolb, who's a beautiful young woman who, with whom he fell in love, and... Uh, she, uh, she, some, you know, she worked a bit of magic in saying, "You got to get yourself out of here because you're meant to play music." Yeah. Um, and then she had also, I mean, not her, but Frank had the support of a very famous record producer named Dick Bach, who did uh, jazz recordings, and he wanted to record Frank. And so, between the love of his life and this record producer, that was enough uh, energy and support to get him to himself together, get out, finish his, not, he actually, the first time he got out, he actually broke his parole, mm. so he he recorded this comeback album, and then he turned himself in to finish serving, because he'd broken his parole, so he went back in for another 14 months. Oh, God. And then when he came out, the record was out, and everything started taking off, and um, he started getting bookings, and people had not forgotten him, and it was like Frank was back. And then he had this story, so the press was eating it up, and he really, uh, but he, he, as Gary Giddens says in the film, he delivered, you know. You didn't know what to think, because the guy had been out of action for 30 years, but he got up and played, and there was no more, nothing needed to be said. He just was fantastic. Yeah, and the the sections of the film where he's playing uh, in this part of his life, uh, there is a just a resonance to the sound uh, that uh, comes not only from being a prolific uh, and gifted musician, but a life lived. Mm-hmm. It really came across in, in that part of the film. It's just a beautiful sound, and he's uh, such a that I there's there's not a whole lot of of him actually talking in the film. Um, I, I imagine it was very difficult to come by. Some of the just uh, just uh, recordings, or I should say, video of him. Mm-hmm. He didn't apparently wasn't a lot of it. But when he was there and talking, uh, you're right. He just seemed like a very sweet man. Um, and I can't help but wonder, in, in given what his issues were, which were drug addiction, if things would not be a lot different today in terms of how we address those kinds of uh, problems for people. I mean. We're getting. It seems we are getting a little bit better about it. Just throwing somebody in jail and and, lock, and throwing away the key. Well, I don't think we systematically throw heroin addicts in jail, which was the case certainly in California. You could be arrested for what they called internal possession, which basically meant if you had 
fresh track marks, they arrest you. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty creepy, and uh, a lot of people paid a high price for that. Um, we have something kind of similar with, you know, getting arrested. I mean, that's changing right now, but getting arrested for having uh, weed. Um, you know, with punishment that far exceeds the crime, or the you know, which is almost a physical problem as opposed to a crime. Um, yeah, uh, I'm sorry to say that we are definitely seeing an uptick of uh, heroin use. Yeah, uh, but it's not in the jazz community. They're they're really over it. You know, they're into yoga and wheatgrass. And yeah, all. no, yeah, and, and to your point, uh, and that is that drug addiction is. Fortunately, increasingly being seen as an illness that requires treatment, not incarceration. But you're right. We still have a long ways to go mm. before we stop just throwing. Uh, and I mean, the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who have, in fact, been uh, their, their lives have been just wasted by uh, by this very punitive system. Uh, goes without saying, it's just such a. Well, I, this is a, again. It it uh, it's a wonderful film. It's a it's a beautiful film about a man uh, who has, in many ways, not gotten the due that he that he uh, should have, uh, for a lot of reasons. On some self-inflicted here, but some just the the nature of the business. But uh, the film uh, Sound of Redemption, the Frank uh, Morgan story, is is a nice place to start to find out a lot about uh, this gifted musician. Yeah. And you know his. You can find his music. It's not like it's uh, right. obscure. Yeah. 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 And he's. Uh, yeah. I agree. It's, it's wonderful to to bring him to the forefront. There have been a lot of jazz musicians who've come to me and said, "Wow, this is like a huge public service you've done to <laughs> to do his story and 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 spread the word about his great music." So we're I'm pretty happy about that. Well, thank you so much for being here, N.C. Hyken. Uh, the the film uh, is again uh, "Sound of Redemption," the Frank Morgan uh, story. And also, I uh, would—I can't let you get away without mentioning uh, your your previous film, uh, Kim Jong Ilya, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, I was a wonderful film and um, did very. I'm just the Sundance Award uh, award winning, I believe, right? Uh, Warren, you won a, an award at. Uh... I won. I got into Sundance. That's an award, right there. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> that is. But, uh, but one of the one of the more you know just more clever, uh, uh, interesting um, documentaries that you'll see. So. Uh, Want to throw in a, a plug for that as well. So, thank you and good luck to you at the the festival, LA Film Fest. It's on now. Started the 11th, runs through the 19th, and you are, as you said, you're all over it uh, again tonight, uh, the 14th here, uh, Saturday at uh, 6:50. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, the, the Frank uh, Morgan tribute concert. That's Sunday, June 15th at two o'clock at the Grammy Museum. Uh, screening also on Monday, the 16th at 4:50, and then Mike Connolly, the executive producer of the film. Uh, will be Love Letters to Los Angeles. He'll be uh, talking, and it'll be at 8 o'clock at the Regal 11 Cinema. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye now. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.